On this episode of the Dudes and Dads podcast, we talk with our friend John Swanson as we review 2021. You're listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Joel, it's the final episode of the season. Feliz Navidad, Andrew. Yes. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for Christmas. I'm ready for Christmas. It's jumped upon us I, quickly. Yes, I'm totally ready. Me too. Couldn't be more ready. I'm saying that because in case my wife is listening, she thinks she'll know you're ready. <laughs> I've purchased everything. All all the gifts are done. Uh, the, we did. We have to. We are now at a stage now where we have to decorate two trees in our home. Two, two, two. You've got the tree that's in the front window that you put the lights up on that everybody can see in the big front window. But that's that room is not large enough to handle all of the family that's going to be at our house for Christmas Day. So we have the real tree in the back of the house in the larger room where we all gather uh, for the the gift, the gift giving. So we're we're two tree family, two, two trees. Two I'm tree still a, I'm still at one. You know, it's okay. It's okay. I want to, I just, I want to encourage you in your one tree-ness. I, I would like to, I'd love to go back to one tree, but once you're two trees, you can't go back. It feels that way. It feels that way. Well, Andy, Hey, we, uh, this is our the last episode of 2021 and we're super excited about our guest. John Swanson is going to be joining us in a second. John is one of those guys where I feel we can just sit down and we can, we can reflect, we can do some spiritual reflection, some down to earth reflection on what this past year has, has been all about. Uh, before we're going to do that, Andy, we've got uh, we've got some words that we want to share with our listeners. We do. This episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Concrete Barber. ConcreteBarber.com. He has some great products there for you to Delicious. make your hair wonderful. Delicious products. And uh, don't eat them, but you, but <laughs> they're food grade. It's food grade, so I'm pretty sure it's don't, safe. Don't, no, 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 no. It's no. probably not an official approved statement. Don't but, eat the products are delightful. Though. They are delightful, they are. and not only that, but you can go see all these wonderful haircuts on his Instagram that I love. In fact, if you go check it out, I was on Instagram Reels the other day when I got my haircut. So, gosh, you're concrete barber famous, and we're so grateful for that. DJ, uh, our friend, our brother from another mother, we love you. We care about you. We're so great grateful for all the wonderful barber barberish things you do the barbarian things that you know <laughs> uh concretebarber.com guys go and check it out schedule your appointment uh super grateful for uh our partnership with him and uh i think i can see safe to say dj and all of us we wish you merry, merry christmas, christmas and a happy new year all right okay. well joel it's we have had our guest tonight on one time before he's a dudes and dads alumni he is so this is the second time that we brought john on but we thought who can we talk to about reflecting and year end and looking back at the year and we thought john swanson so john welcome back to the show again thank you yeah so thank for those you. of you that are are new uh, new to the show uh john see i thought like i was looking at our, sh- our past shows and i'm like oh like john wasn't on that long ago it's been it's been like a year and a half john <laughs> what what happens to the time <laughs> it just gets away from us but uh uh, many of you know, of uh, you've listened to previous episodes a long time, uh, John has served as in pastoral roles, in school, uh, college administrative roles. He now serves as a chaplain for uh, Parkview Medical out in Fort Wayne. Um, he's also a consultant. He's a professor. Uh, John, uh, he's also, well, he's also uh, a tour de force of spiritual reflection uh, on the interwebs. And wow. Well, yes, I know. It's so many things. Um, so many things. And as always, we'll just stay up front. All of John's info and everything will be available in our show notes. Absolutely. Uh, because it's worth checking out, reading what he's got to share. Uh, so without further ado, John, um, this is what we want to do. We, at the end of every year, we try to get reflective. We try to just take a moment, slow down, ask ourselves some meaningful questions and see if maybe, maybe we've just grown a little bit, uh, in this past year. And so, um, we'll, we'll start the question and this is the deal, John, you get to interview us too. So this is how this, (laughs) this goes. You get to ask us the same questions or a version of the question that we have asked you. You get to ask back to us, okay? So 
you we've we've actually snookered you into being a co-host you didn't even you didn't <laughs> even know it um so john if we were looking back at 2021 and what a year what another year it's been we thought 2021 it'll be it'll be new and fun and exciting and it was well it was a few different things first question i just want to dive into with in this last year is there anything that maybe new or or partially new that you have discovered about yourself um one of the things that we're discovering is that it's okay to decorate a tree that's about half the size of what you used to do <laughs> um so it's possible to go backwards from two trees to one tree to a really small tree so um, there's hope for me that's what i hear you say exactly. <laughs> and, and that sounds flippant and um like proving that i was actually paying attention to the introduction um but i think um what's more important underneath that is the idea that um I'm trying to figure out how to do a better job of unpacking expectations and deciding what are those expectations you have to worry about living up to and what are those expectations you can go, um, where did that come from and is it helpful and who is it pointed at and what will it cost us if we don't um, live up to those expectations. And Nancy and I have talked about that a fair amount um, as we're looking at our own at our own Christmas practices, for example, of how much decorating do you do, how much gift giving do you do, how much is um, how much is that gift practice whatever tied up in proving something as opposed to um, what happens all year long. Um, and I think often we've had this thing of, well, if I do the right one-time gift, it will overcome a whole year of messing up. Or if I give it wrong, um, it doesn't matter what I've done all year. This, you know, and um, even in the intro, Joel, you, you alluded to that by saying, yes, we're ready for Christmas. Well, what's that mean? Right. Mm, uh, yep. so, so I think that that... Um, that's one of those things that um, that I've done a fair amount of, of thinking about, I think. And, and part of that comes back to um, we, we keep trying to live our lives um, measuring up to rules of a game that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so, and I have a, I have a friend, Rich Dixon, who anytime I allude to the idea of a game says life is not a game, um, which <laughs> is a valid observation. But, um, but if I'm, if I'm trying to live up to standards or up to whatever, um, that were based on how things were two years ago, uh, I'm just going to get in trouble because things, I don't know if you know this and some of your listeners probably do, but there has been um, major disruption in things over the last two years. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and if we don't take that into account, um, we're going to be in trouble. Um, have you experienced, I mean, have you experienced that disruption in, in terms, uh, have you experienced that disruption as an opportunity of sorts? Cause I, I've, I know I had a hard time like initially in the, in the season of disruption with my, my job life and my family life and all of that saying like, Oh, this is an opportunity or whatever. Um, I'm, I might be closer to the place at least to be able to say, man, this is affording us a, a, a moment to go. Why would, yeah. Why were these expectations upon me? Who placed them there? Probably primarily me actually. Mm -hmm. Um, what what has it been like um for for you and and the people in even you know the folks that you've you've worked with and and ministered alongside of um what what has it been like to just sort of say uh 
this is it's okay to hit the reset button on this and kind of renegotiate. I mean, it's kind of a renegotiation. Maybe that's the word I'm really looking for. It's like a renegotiation of of so many things. Um, have you experienced it that way? Um, I think that I think I've got two pieces to to answering that question, and um, I'll tell you the first piece of it, and then I think that I'm starting to work on the second piece of it or the 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 more meta layer of that um so back in man i think it was back in september uh was talking to one of my consulting colleagues part of our team um who was getting ready to he's not in healthcare uh, but has done some consulting with healthcare and so was getting ready to do a presentation to a group of nurses um, and asked if i had any suggestions for him. And um, as I was thinking that through, I realized, oh, when we think about trauma, um, oftentimes we think of a trauma happening once and then figuring out how to recover from that. So you have a loss, you have grief, and then um, there's some processing that, that comes out of that. For those of us in healthcare, the trauma incidents have not stopped. Mm -hmm. And so um, um, we continue to, and I know on your part of the state um, continues to, um, and in many other parts of the country and many other parts of the world, um, because it's clearly a global audience. Um, there is, um, there are these waves um, that have happened of hospital occupancies and that kind of stuff. And um, um, if you are an ICU nurse, for example, um, in some ICU departments, um, the death rate goes up and then it just stays. Mm. And so you never have a chance to recover from, um, from this fundamental shift that's happened in, in a feeling of failure. Um, oftentimes. So um, I think that um, it's hard to think about recovering, adjusting, whatever, when the trauma keeps happening. Um, and so when the uncertainty about is school going to be in the building? Is it going to be at home? Is it going to be in the building? Is it going to be at home? Um, am I going to be able to work in the building, at home, in the building, at home? Um, I mean, it, it has those implications in, in other parts of our lives as well. And so I think that um, that, that recurring um, small-t trauma, at least, um, um, makes it hard to be reflective because mm -hmm. you never have the space to reflect, you know? Um, now, the other, the other part, the part that I'm starting to, to try to figure out is, so how do you learn um, to respect the pain and um, um, to have some amount of recovery. Um, so we are, um, for those of us who work with human beings and try to help them, um, we have to figure out how to be present to, to whatever their pain is. Um, and it's new pain for new people all the time. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, figure out how to do some recovery, um, some kind of framing, some kind of, so what does this mean um, for ourselves? And I, um, um, so I finally realized that first part of it, that, sheer disruption and the repetition of it and it's like oh okay so knowing that is a really helpful thing because knowing that says oh there is a reason why um i'm exhausted there is a reason why that exhaustion is a deep exhaustion there's a reason why um yeah. it, so um anyway yeah so I, what do you think of that yeah yeah <laughs> no, yeah I, I think, <laughs> and that's, that's good. I, there is something, and I think you're touching on it. it. It does feel like there is something, gosh, uh, 
when when kind of a a battle like a battle weariness becomes normative all the time it's like um oh gosh I can, and again, I don't, this is, um, this is, uh, this is the best, and I'm going to use like movies or cinema to compare those things I've seen. Um, a while ago there was a series, I want to say it was on HBO, I'm going to forget, or one of those, uh, Chernobyl, it was the, oh, the, yeah. the whole mm-hmm. Chernobyl series. And so that's, you know, reflective of, uh, you know, the whole Chernobyl breakdown, the Ukraine, the, the Google it people if you don't know but 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 really that gave a whole insight into just before the Berlin Wall fell I mean toward the end of communism kind of the 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 nature of so of Soviet communist reality in that area and specifically what I what I saw and what I think they did such a great job with is when an entire society is traumatized all the time can tr- not and has also lost the ability to trust or to have community with each other. So they're they're kind of they're side eyeing each other all the time. So there isn't there is no respite uh, from that in in community. There's not really necessarily a place to run because if you run to some place, your own mother might turn you into the state. I mean that's a that's a possibility, right? So and then I I saw um uh recently watched the movie uh the gosh was it the Courier. The Courier, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who I love to say his last name, um, but he's basically was a was a uh, was a courier. It was just a regular businessman that got involved in espionage against the uh, the Russians. Um, but that also took you into this kind of early within the the nineteen fifties into sixties uh, realities there. And but again, it's like everybody. When it was well depicted there, everybody is traumatized, is at the mercy of the state, is in fear all the time. That becomes normal. And then there's like a part of their humanity. And that's what was so troubling as I watched all these things. It's like a part of their humanity leaves them like it it leaves them. And, And that is what I have been concerned about I know I'm talking like in really big scary terms here, but like I am, this is what I am concerned about, and, and for myself, I, I don't just say that this is the enemy without. I think it's the enemy within. Um, am I losing compassion, mm-hmm. empathy? Um, am I, uh, in order to not feel things because it feel because I have so many feelings or losses or sense of grief coming to me like like you've just outlined again and again and again and again, especially for those of us who our job is caring for people like that specifically it's loss after loss, after loss, after loss, disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Um, you just kind of like numb that out at some point. Right. And, 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 and how do I, and, and how do I monitor that? Like, how mm-hmm. do I become, um, what I would, I want to say my, my hope would be that as I am, as I am growing, hopefully as a person that my ability to, to be empathetic, my ability to care for people, to to enter into their pain is growing, not decreasing. Um, and yet, I think in the realities that we've been in the in this past year has kind of continued continued on. I think we're just constantly. I don't know, Andy. We, I, like I think I'm constantly tempted to in a in a different way. Maybe I don't know if it's different, but like I'm I don't know, maybe just more aware of it. I'm tempted. To withdraw in certain ways, I think. And just kind of, yeah, kind of be like, as you have to, I think you're trying to protect yourself a little bit, and right. so you just kind of shut down a little right. bit. But what happens when everybody's trying to protect themselves? Like, that's, yeah. that's the other thing. Like, what happens when collectively, at a societal level, and that's my whole, like, refer- referencing uh, the Cold War and, you know, Soviet realities, where everyone is trying to protect themselves, all the, where everyone feels they have to protect themselves all the time from something. And, and like there's a part of our humanity that is that is uh kind of traumatized through all of that is that what do you think john i'm 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 because this is why we're having this conversation is i it's really a it's a really a therapy session for me i'm trying to get language around what it is that i have experienced this past year 
Um, there are a couple of things that I want to follow up on. Um, one loops back to um, where we started in this part of our conversation talking about opportunity. Um, so you, you said, is this an opportunity for something? Um, and I think that, that often our framework for opportunity is a um, um, like an opportunity for a business, an opportunity for a startup, an opportunity to, to make difference, an opportunity whatever. But what if it's an opportunity to, um, um, to slow down? What if it's an opportunity to see things in a different way? So I want to I say that, and I want to step to something else. You talked about being tempted to withdraw as if that's a bad thing. Mm. So... Um, imagine that you're um, um, that you're facing um, um, something that can hurt you. So, for example, there's this sudden burst of flame right in front of you, um, and you step back. And you go, "Well, I was tempted to withdraw from <laughs> yeah <laughs> face being burned," you know. And you go, sure. "No, no, no, no. This is that's not a moral thing." Or said differently, it is actually a 100% moral thing that if you are not backing away, um, what is there about you that is, um, is not withdrawing from pain? You know, it's like, that is, there's a problem there. So I, mm -hmm. I think that, um, that it's worth stopping and saying, so what are the things, what are the responses that I'm seeing? What are the... Um, what are the ways that I'm responding in my life to stimuli? And what if those are the right stimuli? I mean, it, it's really funny that you're talking about those Cold War things and you're talking about a, um, society on edge. Think about the things that contributed to that. There's lots of, um, there's lots of storytelling that's happening from a fundamentally flawed perspective um, said differently. There is lying coming from a political environment that is saying this is x is y and y is x right and so with that constant repetition of a um of a wrong view it's no wonder people get unsettled it's no wonder that mm -hmm. people have that fear it's no one and so in that in that as you're thinking about that you go so what if it's right to step back from that what if that anxiety that we're feeling is actually warning us and what if there is something that we could be moving toward that would be healthier mm -hmm. so what are the what are the systems that need to be unpacked um what are the um what are the relationships that need to be unpacked what are the um and not not always in a reactive thing. It's a what can we move toward that's healthier than what we're moving away from. Um, yeah, I and I think which I mean that makes good sense. I I think and this is more my personality. Like as a as a helper, right? Your 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 biggest concern is that especially if you're which this happens to me on a regular basis. This is what I have to always look at is like how much of my identity is wrapped up in my ability to help, right? Like in my yeah. ability to like step into mm -hmm. a situation, be helpful, offer Andy gets this, right? Like this is yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, right. And 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 then I and then I go, okay. Is there is there something cuz for me at times in in areas of unhealth, like the worst possible thing that can happen is that I don't have the ability to be helpful. Like, like that's, like that's scary. Like that's scary for me, right? And there's been times, I think, in these last, even these last two years, where it's like, yeah, I don't. Um, on any given day, I might not have. I might. I just might not have those resources available to me mm -hmm. in the way that in the way that I normally do. And then there's kind of a. Well, there can be a guilt thing in that, and that's and that's part of being a dude, and it's you know like there's just part of being like and you know as as a parent and as a husband, like all the roles that you know all the roles that I you know that I'm supposed to fulfill, 
or supposed to. I don't know. So, uh, so as yeah. I as I'm thinking about back yeah. through this last year, and I think John hit it on the head there uh, about running to in a way, and like is that I, I going through 2020. I really enjoyed the time that I got to spend with my family. Yeah. There was extra time and it was more, more forced, but it was definitely a slowdown and definitely do a lot of games and a lot of puzzles and just spend a lot of time with my family. And that was good. And it felt good. And then 2021 hit and we're back at running around and running around and we're getting back to these uh, quote unquote normal, if you will. But now it feels almost like too rushed because we had that, that time of, slow down purposeful and now we're back into the game where we're just boom 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 yeah I, it yeah it's an interesting I, I just thought about the the whole like 2020 versus 2021 yeah and and how we went i don't know uh, yeah we went we went back to strange places quickly <laughs> yeah yeah well, we always go back to habits we always go back mm-hmm. to um um we always go back to comfortable frameworks um, even if they didn't work, we go back to them. One of the things that I realized um, uh, two or three months ago is that, so when you, when you look at the research about habit, um, probably about 40% of the things that we do, the actions that we take are habitual. We don't have to think about them, we just do them. Well, in 2020, for example, um, Almost all of those things we had to stop and think about. I mean, in healthcare, uh, our rules changed every every shift. Mm-hmm. Literally every shift, um, protocols were changing, and so a number of us um, felt like we were starting over again in our caring for people every shift. So. Um, what that does is it means that all the things that you did by habit, you're having to, to address again. So um, all the things that we thought about, um, all the things that we thought about how school worked, about how church worked, and I hate um, generalizations like all the things, but there are lots of things that we thought about how church worked and about how school worked and about how travel worked and about how shopping worked and about, so take every aspect of our lives agree or disagree, we had to um, um, look at our behaviors. Well, if you go from 40% of your, or 60% of your activities that you're thinking about to 80% or 90%, that's exhausting because you're having to think about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you form new habits, but they're not well. And so you begin to question whether your habits you know, you're, you're questioning everything about how you think, about who you trust, about those kinds of things. So it's no wonder that after that first phase in 2020, we began to look at 2021 and say, so how can I bring order to this? Mm-hmm. But when you start to try to bring order to it, now you're not even sure how to bring order to it. And so what you do is you, you go back to frameworks that maybe worked before or maybe didn't work before, but, but you try to put them in place. And so that's part of what leads to that frustration is we've brought in place frameworks that um, had worked a year before, maybe. But now you're trying to apply that to, to situations that, that aren't like that. Now, that's number one, and it's a pretty negative, frustrating thing. Um, when, <laughs> when you were talking, Andy, about that season of family, um, there is this Old Testament um, concept called Jubilee, where once every 50 years, um, so um, in, um, in the Sabbath year, once every seven years, you wouldn't plow the land and instead you'd live on what came up. Mm-hmm. In Jubilee, everything reverted back to the original owners. You spent a year living off from that kind of stuff. So somewhere between between um, a Sabbath year and a Jubilee year might be part of what happened for some people in 2020. You lived off from the creativity, the whatever, the productivity um, that you had put in place the previous year. So you're living off from the stuff that's come up, some people. Mm -hmm. But what that means then is in the next year, 
you can't do that. You need to start thinking from a new thing. And, and what we did is we started to go back to how, how could we go back to normal rather than saying, how can we go forward to yeah. something? But I, I think the other piece there, and then I'll shut up and let you talk um, and answer all the questions. Um, I think one of the things that's important is to um, avoid global characterizations there. Um, as we think about people's experiences through the last two years, there are fundamentally different experiences through the last two years. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so um, even though you are staying home, I have to go to work. That's a different kind of experience. But um, the people who had to go to work because they needed the money and it put them in incredibly risky situations mm -hmm. or they needed the money and they had no work to go to. Um, there are some pretty significant um, uh, disruptions that happened that way. Yeah. And I, this, uh, to touch on this whole idea of, you know, we want to go back to, I mean, you want to go back to Egypt? Yeah, you want we want people want to go back to Egypt. That's what they want. That's what they want to do. Like, they, they're, I, you know, I think to use the biblical metaphors, um, and the, and the, which is why, like, I'm I'm really really fascinated with uh, any sort of uh, like exilic Exodus theme. Like, I like uh, presence and place. Uh, Old Testament has a way of showing, like, showing us geographically what is actually true, metaphysically, okay. spiritually, all of that. Like, it's really, really powerful if you take the time to kind of feel your way through that. Um, but you you see what happens, like, when when standards. I, one of the great lines is, you know, when it like when it comes to the Israelites coming out of Egypt, it's. You know, you can take the slave out of slavery, but it's hard to take the slavery out of the slave. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, they're uh, they're brought into new life, new opp new opportunity to actually be more fully to be more fully human. Mm. Um, and yet, in order to do that, they're delivered into the desert, which is like one of the, I mean, that alone will preach right there. Like you, you can just camp out on that reality that their deliverance is found in the desert. Um, <laughs> Uh, that uh, that has something to say to I think it really I mean it's always had something to say to us but if you're thinking in the context of the last couple of years um, it's like the the reorientation of where provision will come from of where new rhythms of life will come from um, I mean for them going into the desert meant that actually it's like time started over like the, the, uh, the heck they have a new calendar you know mm -hmm. um, uh, and yet, and yet they are still, they, it's like Stockholm syndrome. They, they want to misremember their past. Like they really do want to misremember oh, right. their they, past. They want to go back. I yes. mean, they talk about that. And they say things like, was it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? When we were back there, we had pots of meat and were well fed. And it's like, yeah, you were under a sentence of death actually, but uh, you but seem you don't to remember that you at seem all. To <laughs> for, you seem to have forgotten that reality. I, I mean, do, do we what do we do what do we do when we begin to idealize a past that was not actually was not was not actually a reality like i have a don't we have this way i think as human beings of misremembering the past in that way 100% we all, we always misremember <laughs> this is terrible we always misremember everything Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. Um, now, um, a couple of things come to mind. One is a, a really practical thing that I'm only starting to learn about. Um, the other is a reminder. Um, the reminder piece comes from um, when God gives um, commands to His people. When He gives the ten words to His people, um, there is in that the Sabbath. Um, and one of the things that um, Peterson, no, 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 no um, Mark, Mark Buchanan and the rest of God points out is that there are two descriptions of remembering the Sabbath. 
And one of the times that we read about it, it points back to creation. Right. So God worked for seven, six days, and then on the seventh he rested. The other points to the bondage in Egypt. And so you were in bondage, and so taking a day, it reflects God's resting, but it also reflects freedom from that bondage. So I think that one of the things that happens is we're, we have um, Sabbath tied to creation, we have Sabbath tied to bondage, and in, um, in the last couple of years, lots of us have forgotten about the importance of designating time that is actually Sabbath time, that is actually mm-hmm. stopping time, that is actually um, saying, I'm never going to be caught up on my work, so I need to stop. Even though work is at home all the time, I still need to stop. And part of it, part of the other component of it is I may not go someplace to worship, which is often included as part of a Sabbath practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't have people over, which is often included as a Sabbath practice. But I can discover new ways to stop. I can discover new ways to refresh. So I said that there was this Sabbath component, and then I said there's a really practical component. There's a there's an idea called expressive writing um, that I I think that I intuited, but I'm just starting to um, learn a little bit more about. Um, there is deep value in stopping and writing, not necessarily journaling, um, but in the idea of writing something that people won't necessarily read. Um, the expressive writing thing says that if you write... Um, for four days, 10 minutes a day about um, a trauma, about a thing that's bothering you, um, that in that process of four days of writing, 10 minutes a day, um, you can um, decrease the number of doctor visits that you make. You can't, I mean, there's this, this wacky thing about it, but what that's doing is it's saying, if I, in writing with myself, spend some time unpacking the things that are in me that allows me to see them. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that process of seeing them, and it's not necessarily a therapy thing, um, as in I'm talking to somebody, because always when we're talking to somebody, we are constantly reinventing. We are constantly trying to figure out how do I, how do I even self-disclose in this incredibly transparent way that will impress people. And you go, whoa, 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 wait, that's, um, um, back before y'all were born, um, we talked a lot about masks, and one of the masks is the mask of openness. Um, I can pretend to be transparent, which will really impress you, um, but it allows me to keep some things back. Well, what expressive writing is, is it says, no, this is not writing for anybody to see. This is you telling yourself um, what's going on. But that process of writing um, um, has a has a creative function, has an expressive function, has <laughs> has an epistemological function. Sorry. Um, that's you. That you know what? That's our ten dollar word mm-hmm. right there. I know, but that's yeah. the word that you were waiting for. I know it was forming. That is that is us. Yeah, nailed it. Yes. But yes. I think that 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 idea of is is a way to get at what you were talking about. Of so, how do we get perspective on that? Well, one of the things that we can do is we can write about it to see maybe there's more going on here than I thought. Yeah, and, and one of the questions in our show notes here, and one of the things that I, I put to you and I've, I've wondered about, and you've touched on it with this, in seasons like this, in seasons of change, in seasons where we feel like we're having a hard time or in various ways getting our hands on the collective steering wheel of our lives a little bit, Writing, yes, one of those things. What other, I, I mean, if someone comes to you, John, and says, like, man, I, I am not handling the new realities well, you know, that are, that are, that are what's coming at me in life, what are, what are practices that can help ground me and root me in something that is, that is stable, but that, that also can help me walk, walk forward and not, and not hunker down? Um, because that's what, I mean, I know that's my biggest, my biggest concern is that I'm going to be a hunkerer 
you know, like, and, and, and cause there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of sense of like, there are some, there are some folks that are just kind of like, they're just talking about the end coming, you know, they're just gonna, they're just gonna stop moving forward in life and, and wait for the end. And I don't want to be that. I sure don't want to be that person, uh, but I can feel it. I can feel the, that tension. Um, so let me interrupt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, why, what is wrong with hunkering? So, um, 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 Jason Kissel um, is a tree guy, um, and Jason, <laughs> he's an executive director of Acres Land Trust, but, um, but he looks at trees, too, and he says, um, what trees do for parts of their lives is nothing. So you have all of this delightful green stuff, which some of us love and some of us hate in the spring. You have the <laughs> rich shade that's created by that green stuff in the summer. You have the leaves that hopefully they'll pick up from our front yard um, yet this winter before they're completely frozen <laughs> that we raked up. But at this moment, when you look out at our trees, they look dead except underneath the ground they're recovering so there's a sense in which if you look out at our trees right now you go well they're hunkering that's just pathetic if they mm -hmm. if if they would live into their destiny they would actually be doing something right now and the answer to that is shut up they are doing more of obeying what the creator created them to do than many of us are doing so I think that, that um, one of the responses in um, a season like this, in a season of change, is to, to, um, to realize that there's some recovery that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, there is a space in a season of change, um, you know, the, the adding growth rings. Part of that is just stopping and letting the growth happen. It's happening. Now, yeah. I understand your concern about the... Um, um, the end might as well come. So I get that as a as an issue. But um, I think that if we can, if we're willing to be counterculture and be for a while, that that that's an okay thing. Um, yeah. You asked about practices. One of the 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 first thing that came to mind when you said that is um, um, shameless plug. One of the things that I did this year is is put up a book called This Is Hard, which is the things yep. that I tell people who are grieving um, right after death. Um, so right after the death of a loved one, what do you say? And one of the things that you say is, this is hard. Mm -hmm. Because because we're wanting to say, so what's next, whatever. And it's just like, you look and say, no, no, no. this, this feeling right now, the stuff that we're up against, all of this change, all of this what, whatever, this is hard. This counts as something that's hard and is worth stopping and resting it's worth stopping and um i mean in the case of the death of a loved one it's worth stopping and saying wait 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 let's give dignity to this moment and acknowledge that um this just changed everything about my life mm -hmm. so this is not going to be a glib move on or if it if i do i'm going to pay for it later um, so that acknowledging that this this is hard, I think that that's a that's an important discipline. Um, the reflective writing is an important discipline. I think that that Sabbath thing, probably as um, so, I'll say this: it's probably as important now as it has ever been, um, and I'm as bad at it at now as I have ever been. Um, Why? Why? Because I don't want to face all of the grief that I've been facing for the last two years. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. many of us have a bunch of trauma, um, but um, as, I've, um, as I've looked at how do I close some things down for the last couple of weeks of the year, um, we've got um, um, our son's in town after being away for most of a year. Um, we've got some other changes, and we got a um, new grandbaby on the way. Um, how do I stop 
lots of other things that are going on so that I can be present and so that I can recover. But what I'm aware of is as I'm doing that stopping, there, there is this, um, there's grief bubbling to the surface. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, one of the things that I pay attention to is um, excess death. Um, so um, there's this number of people that die and can be projected to die on a regular basis. So that's death. Excess death is above that. <clears throat> and um, since um, February 2020 in the U.S., we've probably had close to 900,000 um, um, cases of excess death. So in other words, um, and, and it's not across the board, so it, it collects in various places. So in various places, um, we have lost 902,000 mentors, parents, mm-hmm. um, co-workers, babies, so fill in all of those relational categories um, have lost big chunks of families um, in, a, in congregational life. Um, there are a number of congregations that have lost, um, um, have lost older people more than you would expect. And so there is this whole layer of that kind of um, excess death, which means excess grief. And we struggle... Um, we're just not good at grief anyway. We want to move past it. Now add in that many more opportunities for grief. And, uh, and I think that, that acknowledging that's a, a really important thing. That it's okay that we're exhausted. It just makes sense. Um, yeah. Which leads us back to the expectation thing. It's okay that we're not decorating all 16 trees that we could. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially if we're getting, um, if we're beating ourselves up for not getting the trees decorated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, there's a, there's a part in me that even recognizes, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for a lot of conflict. If one person, like if both people like, and say like a marital relationship or whatever are not in the same place of recognizing that or they're not in the same like along the journey of recognizing like hey it's okay okay whatever and one is maintaining kind of certain level of expectation the other and the other is not like mm-hmm. it it can feel like a um i don't know it can feel like a dismissal of the other person's feelings and that goes both ways so uh, to say like hey it's not essential that we do what we have always done and maybe the other person is like, no, it is essential because without doing what we've always done, I will feel like we are even adding more trauma or more loss on top of what we've already, you know, what we've already experienced. And, uh, that's the, so I don't know. Yeah. That's the the challenge. Okay. But in that situation, um, what if there are other things that we cannot do? So mm-hmm. maybe doing the tree is exactly the thing to do, but is there something else that we normally do that we could say, you know what, for right now, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Normally we would also remodel the kitchen during that time. And you know what, <laughs> we're just not going to remodel the kitchen this time. Um, yeah. I, I have, for me personally, have felt a great sense of relief that all, like for for Christmas, that like all of my extended family is coming to us, <laughs> and we're you don't need and, to travel, and this we year. don't have, yeah. like, yeah. we don't have to go to them, and uh, and then I had a moment of like, is that selfish of me? And then I'm like, no, no, it's no, it's not, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, and that's a deep window again. It's a deep window into my soul about like how. How we're under stress, where I naturally gravitate toward is, is a, uh, like, yeah, it's, a an immediate fear of, disp- of, of displeasing and, and, and all of that. And it's just like, well, I got to do at the end of the day, I've like, I, I need to do what I need to do to. And that's hard for somebody who likes to please and 
sure make people other people happy like yeah. it's hard to yeah. To realize that you don't have to do that. Well, right. And it's also a realization that my desire to make other people happy sometimes is not even about the other people being happy. Like the, It's about you. It's about me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's about a per, like a perception and all of that, which um, th- that's the, you know, that's the, the other layer that we have to like, we have to dig to is, is why. I don't know. Getting to the heart of motivations is is hard work. Like when you to get real self aware on those things, you know, is like it requires it requires space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I and John, I'm with you. Like the this this Sabbathing thing and doing it well. I'm I'm as bad at it as I've ever been, and I really thought like I I told myself a small lie of like oh hey things are slowing down, uh, things are slowing down. This is gonna make Sabbathing like a piece of cake. Like I'm just gonna naturally just fall into this, um, and instead, surprise surprise, you're not falling. Ca- yeah, yeah. Cal- calendars continued to fill up with things or new practices or new rhythms were entered into and, and it's like well and here we are no, still mm-hmm. so yeah well, I that's not something to do well see that I mean what if um, what if that's not something to measure up to yet another thing to do well or to do fail or to, to fail at um, but what if we say you know what I I just need to turn this stuff off for a while. You know what? I just need to give myself like three hours where I don't sit, don't apologize to myself. Mm-hmm. I need to. Mm, yeah. it, it's funny. I was thinking Joel a second ago that um, before we started recording, um, Andy and I um, figuratively looked at each other and said, "Yep, that's Joel." <laughs> now here's here's the gift of that. It means that you don't have to apologize to us because mm-hmm. we know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's something about that um, realizing that, that for the people that are closest to us, um, they know us. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we're working really hard to measure up to something that um, everybody around us says, you don't need to measure up to that. Um, the people that are closest to us, I mean, Nancy and I talk about that, um, and I'm better at this now than I was, um, 38 years ago when we started trying to figure this out, but I would often anticipate what I thought Nancy would like based on something that she mentioned, because of course that's a good listener, right? Is that sure. you notice yeah. things around the edges and you turn that into, and it's like, well, actually, if it mattered that much, she might have said it more than once. Um, and it might have been um, not some... I, mean, um, I built this whole thing about what she ought to appreciate because I was pretty sure that it's what... Rather than actually asking. Um, and, yeah, no, that wasn't something. And um, so I... I disappointed myself and it's like (laughs) you know um, i think that that if we were willing to give ourselves and each other as much grace as god gives us um or if we started learning a little more about that um that would change a whole bunch of things Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I was listening to somebody today um, who had done a podcast of reading through scripture in a year. Um, and the question is, what, you know, what did you learn about yourself? And, and his answer was, I learned that um, God actually does love me that much. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 John, I mean, I just, I just think about this, this past year. And when I look at kind of everything we've tried to navigate, I'm like, if I'm honest, there is, there is a sense of like disappointment that 
because I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what I expected to get out of this whole this whole experience. You know, like the, mm-hmm. like there was going to be some like you know deliverable or what or whatever. And that's not even. I don't even consider myself like a person who's like looking for like the deliverable all the time or whatever. Um, but I I just you know I had some sort of romantic. I don't know some sort of romantic idea. Like hey, I was going to be a in the season of trial. I was going to come out the other side, better husband, better, better dad, which I, one thing I will say, Andy, what I will say, and I'm going to, I'm just without getting too braggy is if nothing else, I do feel like I am paying closer attention to my kids emotional life now than I did a year ago. Then that's a win. And I, so yeah, like that'll, that's maybe one, that's one thing just because they're handed I mean, they're handed thing after thing after thing all the time. Like, John, as maybe you are aware, of this uh, you, we had all these school schools canceled on the seventeenth here recently because it was yep. this whole TikTok thing, right? Yep. So, like, yep. my my kids, my kids, like, just they just went with it, and it was, it was a significant disappointment because that's the day they do all their party. You know, there are their parties and stuff like that before Christmas break and all that, and the they went with it and i and i'm thinking to myself i'm like i'm i think there might be some resiliency here like i think there might be some things that are where they don't feel like as entitled to things as much as it's like hey that was a nice idea we didn't get to do it but we'll be okay you know and they just mm-hmm. kind of you know they they just kind of move on um so i'm like i'm just paying attention to how they're dealing with things better and i'm asking i think better questions um, more engaged relationally there uh, with them, so maybe that we'll call that. That's, that'll be my deliverable for for twenty twenty one, if if nothing else. <laughs> but so yeah. I, oh wait, if I was a good co-host, I'd say Andy. So, uh, what are your deliverables for the year? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! You put me on the spot. Yeah, no, I I think for, I think for me, just uh, realizing too that it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be go, 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 go. And then we can spend time with our families and it doesn't have to go back to quote unquote normal. Um, you know, it's, it's good that we're being able to get out and do things, but at the same time, like there's, we don't have to be back to quote unquote normal. We can spend time and it normal quote unquote normal is not necessarily okay to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we've ranted. We'll see. We'll see if John wants to go back to normal. I was going to say we're going to see if John wants to go back to normal after he's had all these uh, these uh, kids that he thought he had successfully launched living back with him for a few days. We'll see. (laughs) Well, I think that that we spent so much time ranting about how chaotic life had gotten, and now we're ranting about how chaotic life has gotten. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I. So I actually had some productivity this year on on some things, and I still have this feeling of, but I didn't do anything this year. Mm. And mm. so um, I think that that our self assessment is pretty fickle. Um, our measures of so what counts, what doesn't count, and I think that if um, if we still have some friendships. And we still can talk politely to the people that we deeply love. And um, we still have faith tested, but still there. Um, I think that, you know, I I think that we look too hard for, um, and I think that, so I'll finish that with this. Um, One of the things about chaplaincy is that it doesn't scale. Um, so when you're having a conversation with somebody right after a loved one has died, you don't say, oh, you know what? <clears throat> Sorry, I had another death down the hall. So if I could talk to you two families at the same time, mm, right. um, that way I could just say this once and, and it would it would work out better. And we look at that and we go, that's like the stupidest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, why are we so obsessed with scaling our impact? Rather than saying, man, I had some conversations with my kids this year. And I had actually two or three conversations with my wife. 
and I realized that there's some crap in my life. Um, and um, I'm addressing a couple of those things. And there have been times this year where I said to God, God, I simply do not understand. And as a result, had yeah. the most honest prayer that we ever had. Um, it's kind of like the disciples um, saying, don't you care if we drown? I mean, that's a pretty actually honest prayer. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and we often count those as failures of faith. And it's like, wait, what if that... What if we actually know Jesus well enough to say really stupid things? Yeah. I, yeah. That feels like yeah. growth. Right. Good, good questions to ask. And I, and I just, as you were saying that, like I think about even, you know, I think about John's, John's question uh, to, to Jesus while he's in prison. Like, uh, is he, is he the Messiah or should we wait or should we wait mm-hmm. for another? And Jesus's response is, uh, by the way, just tell John what you've seen. <laughs> tell tell the things that have happened. Uh, he doesn't go, John, you knucklehead. Uh, duh, <laughs> you know. Um, and and I think that is a that's an important that's an important reality uh, to remember. That number one, gosh, if and I and I think and it's good we've had this conversation because even I'm recognizing within myself, it's like you know, God gives me way 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 more grace than I give myself on a regular basis um and and the scorecard well there's not even a scorecard the way i think of a scorecard in in any of in any of it you know and and so you know i want to and i want to try to i want to live i want to live from that life but i also i want also want to like invite other people to that kind of that kind of life you know cuz it's like way it's just way better it's just way better um and, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm curious, I'm curious about what this coming year, uh, will hold as well as we continue to, I, we've got a lot of, I mean, I, I know this is true for many people. We've got, we have relationships that need healing though. We have, mm-hmm. we have conversations that are, that have been put off. Um, I, you know, our listeners, I, I'm sure that you can think of somebody that you have either overtly or or covertly uh excluded from from conversation um and maybe that's maybe that's something that needs to be taken into account and uh maybe repaired um but yeah can we be can we be kind can we be kind to each other can we give each other um I don't know the benefit of the benefit of the doubt in some things can we be less polarized i mean those are all those are all serious questions that we have. Um, we don't, it takes so much energy to be angry. <laughs> it takes so much energy to be angry. And, uh, I think there's, uh, well, there's just other places that we can, we can put our, our, our time, our talent and our treasure toward. So, um, John, this is my, this is my other question. I want to know what, what are you, are you publishing anything for Lent this coming year. You mean another thing? Yeah, another thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've actually done three Advent, four now, Advent projects, and I'm still with the Lent for Non-Lent People book. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, and I suppose I should do something new sometime, but I don't know. Well, I, 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 will, I will say, like, or I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty, this is, I'm pretty excited about Lent this coming year. I don't always, I enter into Lent every year with a kind of like, this will be good. It's like eating broccoli. Like, this is how I think of it. It's like, this is going to be good for me. I, I, I'm not super jazzed about it, but I, I know that there are good benefits. So I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. Um, but this year, I don't know, this coming year, something is, I think maybe shifted in with me a little bit um, of like this, this is a good yeah, the uh, Lent might be offering us some really good things, uh, and we might be at least within my community that I'm caring for. We might be uh, there might be some things we're receptive to now that maybe we haven't been previously. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm hopeful for that. Um, 
Well, John, thank you so much uh, for your for your time with us. Wishing you all the best here as we uh, kind of conclude our 2021 and look into 2022. And uh, I hope you have a great holiday rest of the holiday season with your family as they're all joining you from different places and coming and going. Uh, as we talked just before the show, John's got people coming from all over the place. So. His empty nesting. Yeah. His empty nesting is going to be interrupted for a while. So that'll be that'll be fun in a really fun way. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, John, for joining us in this episode. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Joel, any final thoughts before we end this episode? My final thoughts are, uh, as always, fellow dudes and dads, podcast listeners, we just thank you for um, your support for hanging with us this past year. We're excited for 2022. We've got uh, more good stuff coming. Um, coming down the pipe more conversations I uh, mm-hmm. want to continue to build the community and uh, encourage people and call each and every one of us to be better dudes, better dads um, uh, so yeah thanks thanks for hanging with us and uh, we will see you well, in the beginning of just stay tuned, we'll, we'll see you in the beginning of January at some at some point so uh, right. Yeah. So, hey, until next time, guys, uh, we wish you grace, grace and peace. Tweet, tweet, chat with us on Twitter. 